This is uh, Joe Basso with Music Radar, and I'm talking to uh, KT Tunstall. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Joe. How are you doing? I'm very, very good. So um, your new record, it's been out for uh, several months now. Um, what's been the reaction so far? It seems to have gone down really well. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to gauge, but, you know, it's not, it's not like it's selling kind of Britney Spears numbers of copies, but I'm, I, really, I really just have never believed in the correlation between the quality of a record and the amount it sells so it doesn't really worry me that much as long as it just means that i can keep touring and there's still people who are into what i'm doing then as long as i can gig then that's cool i want to ask you how you got started in music um and who your first role models were um uh music's always been a very innate uh love of mine um, my parents said i would pick up anything i could get a tune out of you know, from being a baby, um, my mum found a diary from when I was a little kid, and at six months she was thinking she was she wrote that she was slightly worried that I could scream louder than everyone else's baby apparently. Um, and my my performance love of performance started at the age of eight when I joined a little local theatre group, and we would we would put on musicals, and I just absolutely loved it. I I was immediately d addicted to performing. I loved. The fact that I did what I liked and all these people I'd never met before liked it and it was like closing a circuit board and getting an electrical flow. It was fantastic. The first female singer that really, really affected me was Ella Fitzgerald. She was just something else. And of course, Eurythmics was big then, so Annie Lennox was an amazing Scottish chanteuse who, who impressed everybody and really was very challenging a lot of boundaries and um, very strong character. Um, but uh, my first two favorite albums were Blue by Joni Mitchell and, and, and Bone Machine by Tom Waits, and they definitely have shaped uh, where I've gone as a musician. When you first started playing guitar, um, who, who were some uh, influences for you? And, and do you remember what kind of guitar you first picked up? Yeah, I started on a Spanish nylon string guitar, simply because that was just what they had at school. And so I would, you know, my free, free classes where I'm meant to be studying, I would just go off and pick around on the guitar. Um, I didn't really get into guitarists as such. It was guitar was always just a vehicle to write songs and play and sing. A, a big part of your uh, legend, uh, as it were, uh, is the fact that you started out uh, busking, playing in the street yeah. and and performing for for people. Um, w when did that start? Uh, how did that start? Well, it was just. A very natural progression from picking up the guitar, writing some songs. Fame and celebrity wasn't even on the on the agenda. It was about trying to make a living as a musician. You're a nomad, and that was what that was what caught my imagination with it, and that felt right. That felt like a way I wanted to spend my life, and so it was very normal to go out onto the street and just make some money busking, and go to pubs and get a gig, and you know get a bit of cash in hand, and and get some dinner and. It was just a very normal thing to do through the people that I'd met, and particularly being in America, that was somewhere where I really connected with the culture of of being a traveling singer and doing open mic nights. And you know, there's such a great audience out in the states for for my kind of music. It was a huge part of cutting my teeth, um, playing on the street, and I, I wouldn't play covers. I wasn't very good at remembering other people's lyrics, and so. Often I'm just I was most of the time just playing my own songs and so you work out ways of playing them that do get people's attention but also you work out how to be an entertainer I think it's it's a huge part of the job 
um, being a musician is working out how to put on a show. Did you uh, did you write songs spontaneously on the street? Uh, I have to imagine going out there, you know, you have a certain amount of songs, you know, ready to yeah. go and all that. But was were there moments of, you know, spontaneity where you just yeah, definitely. I mean, you you jam round you you jam round a chorus or a middle eight or a or a bridge and realize that people really liked it. You know, there was something about this section that people liked, and so you'd work on that and maybe. Maybe that verse that you thought was a verse, maybe that was the chorus. The business these days is increasingly youth-oriented. Mm-hmm. You know, literally 15- and 16-year-old girls are being signed and, yeah. you know, being marketed. You got a, a, your first record deal, you know, a little bit late in life. You were yeah. approaching 30, or you were 30. I would imagine, in a way... It would be a mixed blessing because you probably had a backlog of material written. I think, the, I mean, I had 100 songs when I was 16, but they weren't as good as the ones I've got now. Really, when my career took off was when I learned how to say no politely and with grace and how I learned how to stand up for myself and uh, and really get involved enough to make decisions and not let other people make them for me. On the whole, it's been very positive. I've been, I've had a fantastic run, and um, but you know, you hear, you get some bad reviews, and you hear some nasty stuff, and it can be hurtful. But I, I, it's easier to take at this age because I don't, I really don't care if everyone doesn't like me. Whereas I remember in my twenties, that was a really important thing. You've got to make everyone like you, and you've got to like everyone. Now, on, on the first album, you had two smash hits. Mm. Um, Suddenly, I see and. Uh, Black Horse and the Cherry Tree, um, you know, these are the kind of songs that any singer-songwriter would die for. Is it a bit of an albatross to have two giant hits like that so early in your career? No, absolutely not. I'll, 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 I don't think I'll ever feel that way about it, because I'm, I'm touring New Zealand, Australia, Japan, and Singapore in, in March. I'm touring the UK in April. I'm touring the US in in May. It's and it's partly because of these songs finding their way. And it's like when you make an album, it's like you make these eleven or twelve little oompa loompas, and they go out into the world and they do stuff, and you have no control over them. And I almost feel like I keep getting these postcards from the song, going, "Guess what? I'm going to be in a Meryl Streep movie." <laughs> and I'm like, "Wow, well done. How did you manage that?" But these songs are opening doors for me that I never ever would have imagined and uh no I'm I'm hugely grateful for them doing well. Uh going into the recording of uh Drastic Fantastic um did you have a backlog of uh material? Um I was more I I obviously had less to choose from than than the first record but the first record I hadn't chosen anything that was more than 2 or 3 years old anyway. So there's older there's some older material on the second one that well then there was on the first. Um and I really mixed it up. There's brand new stuff. There's stuff that I was written around the time of I to the Telescope, but it really just wasn't going to fit the vibe of the album. Like Saving My Face is a four to the floor, you know, banging rock tune about plastic surgery. It just wasn't really the vibe <laughs> of I to the Telescope. But I'd written it around the same time as, as Suddenly I See. So um, that one I knew was going to go on. And then there's Paper Airplane and Little Favors, which were which are really, really old songs. And it's in a way, it's very... It's kind of 
vindicating in a way that, you know, paper airplane I wrote when I was about 20. Little Favors is a, a real favorite of mine. Is that gonna oh, be a, thank you. Is that going to be a single at any point? Um, I would I I would have liked to see it be a single, but I don't really I don't I'm I'm really not an expert in any way on in terms of what what's a single and what isn't, and uh, I think really because my popularity has risen from a, uh, from a very earthy rootsy place. Have you have you noticed your um, influence uh, uh, on 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 the sound out there? I mean, I literally hear TV commercials that try to ape. Your sound. Oh, I, I did. I, I, I did see an, a car advert that had a huge billboard, and the car, and then the the huge writing above it said, "Suddenly we saw." And I was like, "Hang on a minute, is it? Is that really? <laughs> is that really used me?" And it was very weird because part of you think that you're just being an egomaniac, thinking that they're they even know who you are. But then you think actually maybe they've totally stolen my title. A lot of our audience uh, are musicians, you know, hoping to make it. They're in their basements, they're in their garages, you know, writing songs, recording songs. What what advice do you have for? Uh, well, the people? good news is, last night one of the big one of the highlights of my career so far. I was asked to join. Uh, a musician on stage. He he had a show in London. His name's C Six Steve, and he got signed last year. And he's sixty five. So oh my word! You think I'm old? <laughs> <laughs> and he just gets on stage, and he's an American guy with a big white beard and a three string guitar and a nasty old amp, and he's phenomenal. And he had two thousand young Londoners getting down, just going crazy. And uh, if anything, I hope that that what's happened to me is proof that it's. That that's not that's not just what people people don't just want young people, you know, in bikinis. They they want they want music that comes from the the heart, and it doesn't need to come from a young mouth. 